All right, now this, this evening, we've got a few unconventional things happening. Uh, as you know, tonight is our very final evening. And so because of that, there's a tradition here within the College Ministry of Grace uh, where we get a few of our seniors and we give them an opportunity to speak. Uh, because one of the best things about college ministry, best and worst things really, is that you guys come and then you leave. Like constantly. It's a revolving door. I don't know if you realize that. But college is four years, right? Or five or six or nine, you know, whatever. But we have that revolving door. And so you guys are coming in and then you're leaving. You're going to Dallas, you're going to Austin, or you're going to another state, or you're going, you know, wherever. You're going back home to do that thing. It's cool. There's sitcoms about that. And so you do all that stuff. Uh, and we realize that you guys are taking hopefully some principles, hopefully some lessons, some truth that you learned while in college. Right? And so that's why we're trying to pour into you all these different ideas of, you know, studying the Word of God, spending time with God, spending time in fellowship, that kind of stuff. That's why we're talking about it tonight in my brief talk. But before that, we have a few students who are graduating, who are going out, who are going to Dallas or, or elsewhere, who maybe aren't completely sure yet. But what they know is that they're going to be out living for God. And so we have a guy named Ryan a girl named Kendall, uh, who are going to join me right now. Who they, Like I said, they are both graduating, uh, and they're just going to share a little bit uh, about themselves uh, and a little bit about what they're doing post-college, kind of what, how, where this is going to go. Ryan, Kendall's going to go first because she was faster. No, that's right. You survival of the fittest. Ladies first, exactly. Hey, guys. I'm Kendall. Um, like he said, I'm a senior, and I've been a business major for the past four years. And so before I leave, um, I was just asked to share a little bit about like my life in general, a short, very short testimony and kind of some advice that I'd like to give you, not advice, but things that I've learned over the years that I would like to share with you guys um, before you take off. I'll start off with a little bit of a background. Um, I was raised in a Christian home and I've been so lucky in that way. Um, I don't think there's been a time where I ever have not believed in the Lord. Um, And that's just something that I've been really lucky with, but it's also been kind of a tests to get stronger and stronger in my walk every day. Um, and so one of the most important verses in my life has been James 4, 8. Um, and that is, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. Um, and that's just matters so much to me because it's been a daily thing for me to see how I can get closer to the Lord every day. And sometimes sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder, but um, it's something that I have uh, been working on every day. And so in that, in that sense, uh, throughout high school and everything in junior high, I was always involved in um, the typical Christian organizations. I was FCA president and um, chaplain of all my sports teams and everything. And that was a great growing experience, and I got to lead some other people. But um, at the same time, I don't think that I knew what it meant to be living for God and not just be a Christian but be a follower of Christ. Um, and so... I think that college is one of those times that, um, and y'all have all experienced it while you've been here, is a time while you have this great independence to see what your priorities are um, and see uh, how you're going to prioritize different things that you're involved in and things that you care about and things that you think about. Um, And that was a huge growing experience for me to see that I had the power and the freedom to decide um, how I would spend my time and eventually how I wanted to spend eternity. And so some of the things that I want to leave y'all with, I hope that you can hear this tonight and take it with you is first that college, um, some of y'all are probably seniors and so you probably uh, agree with me on a lot of these things, but um, for those of you who are younger, that's especially who I'd like to speak to tonight. College is the most probably interesting and unique experience that you will have in your life because um, it's a time when you have independence, but you also don't completely have the responsibilities that you will in the future. It's It's a blessing, but it's also a responsibility for you. And so in that 
in those terms, I just want to encourage you guys, like, use this time while you're here. You have these four years to make the best friends, and that means community. Like, have a group of people who you can confide in, um, who you can keep accountable, um, who can keep you accountable. This is a time where you will be probably closer with your friends than you ever have been, uh, just because you have that time. So use this time to just get close to people, develop that community, um, and you'll see that that's going to change your life. I'd also like to, I guess, not encourage y'all, but just something that I want you to remember is that this is a time where a lot of different things are going to be competing for your attention. And whether that's organizations you're in or classes that you're in and even your friends here, uh, this is a time when um, you have a lot of things battling for your attention. And uh, one thing that I have learned is that God will not let himself be prioritized in your life. And I know that that sounds kind of odd, so let me explain myself. I think it's so easy for us as Christians to say, I have this, this, and this that I'm involved in, but the most important thing is God, and so he's going to come first. And sometimes that is reflected in your actions. Sometimes uh, you do put him first, and sometimes you do spend time with him instead of doing other things. But I say he will not be prioritized because he is not something that you can put on a list and check off. It's not something that you can say, I went to church Sunday. I read my Bible this morning. Um, It is something that when you have a relationship with the Lord, it should be ingrained in every single other priority of your life, um, in every single other aspect of your life, not something that you feel like you have to do, not something that you feel like should be prioritized above other things, but it should be ingrained in every other uh, single thing. And so also I'd like to encourage you guys while you're here to uh, learn what it means to spend time every day with the Lord. And I know that's such a challenge sometimes with uh, how busy we can be, but um, I think one of the turning points in my life and my walk with the Lord was uh, when I worked as a summer camp counselor and I was encouraged every single morning to get up um, and spend time with the Lord in whatever, I, in whatever way I wanted to. And that was a huge growing experience because I was able to learn what it meant to be, to have a relationship with the Lord, not just um, say that I knew him and say that I followed him, but to actually like speak with him and um, learn about him and uh, confide in him and be honest with him. And so I really, really encourage you guys to, if whether it's journaling or just waking up early in the morning, spending time in reflection, having friends and accountability that you can talk with through those things. Um, like I said, this is a such an interesting experience and such a great four, five or six, however many said years that you're going to be here. So um, use this time as you can. Be a good servant to the Lord in your time here, um, and I think that he'll bless all of you. So, thank you guys. Well, howdy, guys. Uh, just like Kendall, I want to share just a little bit uh, of my heart and what I feel like the Lord has taught me in my time at A&M. Just a quick background on me, a little bit of my testimony. I grew up in a Christian home, I'm probably much like a lot of you, and the Lord was just I don't know, kind of like she mentioned, something to check off my list, something that, that my, my parents did, therefore I did, therefore I took for granted. I grew up in a Christian school, kindergarten all the way through high school graduation. Um, I was at church at least twice a week. And, you know, when I was younger, it's, it's kind of difficult to, to grasp, you know, the, the true weight of, of God's grace and, and what that really means in our lives and how we can apply that to our lives. But even as I got older and I had the opportunities to, to understand that and really dig deeper in my relationship with the Lord, I, I, I didn't, um, you know, thank the Lord that I was, I was involved in community and I was um, in a place where I did have a relationship with him, but I, I did take it for granted. Um, I'd say junior high, high school, I was in Bible classes in school, I was in Sunday school at church, and I was just filled with, with knowledge. A lot of rubbish of, is what it turned out to be. I just... 
I didn't um, truly understand what it meant to have a relationship with God. I knew all these things about God, yet I don't think I truly knew him. Um, so transitioning into college was, was interesting, to say the least. Um, coming from a very sheltered and you know just a place where, where everything was, was sort of given to me, uh, like Kendall said, and you're, uh, I was on my own. I uh, had to fend for myself in a way. <laughs> I mean, it was a big transition. I had to learn how to pursue the Lord on my own. Um, in the same way that he pursues me. And, and so, I mean, I was involved in, in some, some really cool things. I was involved in uh, Freshman Leaders in Christ my, my freshman year. Um, had the opportunity to be involved uh, with Impact, which is a Christian orientation camp here. I was able to you know, be involved in Bible studies uh, as, a, as a participant and a leader. And I've, I've had the opportunity to, uh, to work at summer camps like, like Kindle and have some, some structural things kind of be put in place in my life to make an environment in which I could, I could grow. Uh, and I will say that I didn't always grow as much as I needed to, but um, the Lord was gracious to put me in, in these places where I really could grow, and he surrounded me with community. And freshman year was, was tough, obviously, coming, coming from sort of a dry rut that I was in coming out of high school. Um, it, was, it was really hard to, to transition into you know, a place where I, I really needed to be with the Lord. Um, it wasn't until my sophomore year that I really started to, to experience a lot of growth you know, a big reason for that was, was biblical community uh, at, at the church here at Grace, specifically. If, if I could give any advice to, to any underclassmen in here, anyone who, you know, needs the Lord, is, um, and we all need the Lord, but um, we need solid Christ-following community around us. We need people who are going to spur us on toward love and good deeds and, and people who are going to encourage us and challenge us at the same time. And, and I have had that, um, and the Lord has used that mightily in my life. Some really cool truths that, that the Lord has taught me so far in college. Um, one comes out of Matthew six thirty three. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Kind of like Kindle was saying, not only seeking first the king, kingdom of God, but, but only seeking the kingdom God, of God in, in a lot of ways. You know, making Christ our everything, not just the top of a list. You know, you check that off in the morning, hopefully, and then make your way down the rest of the day. Christ needs to be our everything, um, and God has, has humbled me in a lot of ways and, and been able to teach me that uh, through college, and so I would encourage you all um, to seek him first, um, seek him in the morning before the world and, and Satan and our flesh are going to lie to us the rest of the day, seek him first. Another cool truth that, that the Lord has taught me uh, comes out of Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8 says, I count all things as lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. We truly have nothing um, outside of Christ. If we are believers in Christ, um, we have nothing of worth outside of knowing Christ our Lord. And that's very related to seeking his kingdom first. But um, our relationship and our knowledge of Christ is our most important possession. The Holy Spirit that we receive in our hearts when we become believers is the most important thing that, that we could ever have um, in our lives. Um, so he's really taught me the value of that and, and just reflecting on that every single day and, and pursuing him and, and getting to know him more. A little more practically, uh, Colossians 1.10 says to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You may ask, what does that mean? And I ask myself that every day. I mean, what does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to conduct myself in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? And, and some practical things there, uh, it's you know, seeking him uh, through his word, through scripture every single day not only just reading his scripture, but meditating on it and memorizing it. You will experience a lot of growth if you prioritize time in the word 
um, as, a, as a means to communicate with God. Another way to do that is, is just to pray. Um, we have such a cool opportunity from the Holy Spirit to have direct access to God. We have an avenue in which we can, we can talk to God, God Almighty, the one who created all of us and everything around us. We can talk to him and we can be in intimate relationship with him. And so those are a few things that, that will help us and that have helped me walk in a manner worthy, Lord. Um, and it's kind of what I mentioned earlier, uh, surrounding myself with community. Um, James 5.16 says to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Um, the prayer of a righteous man is, is uh, well, helpful. I can't remember what exactly what it says. But uh, the, the point here is surrounding yourself with community, like I said, and, and being an intimate biblical community, people um, with which you can, you can share your struggles, uh, you can share your triumphs, but also people who will pray for you and who will uh, encourage you along the way. So that's a lot of what I've learned here in college. I know I have a lot more to learn as I transition out. I don't know what the Lord has for me yet um, after I graduate, but I know that he has given me confidence based on the way that he's, he's grown my walk with him, my, my relationship with him uh, through college. And I would encourage you all that um, if you, you seek first his kingdom, if you, um, if you count knowing him above all things, and if you, you walk in a way that pleases him, and you, you surround yourself with community, no matter if you have specific direction on where you're going after you graduate uh, or not, you'll have confidence knowing that the Lord uh, has your, your best interests at heart. Not only that, I mean, he loves you, and he, he laid down his life for you, and, and he will continue uh, to make sacrifices for you so that you can, um, you can thrive as, as a child of, of his kingdom. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Ryan. That's awesome. Let's, let's pray. God, Lord, we thank you for Ryan and for Kendall. God, we thank you for what you've taught them over these past few years that, Lord, you have given them knowledge and wisdom that they would never claim to be their own, but instead that came straight from you. God, we thank you that you have prepared them and, and put them in this moment right now, God, to share that wisdom with us. God, I just pray that we would hear this truth, that we would hear that wisdom, and that, Lord, we would just pack it away, that, God, we would, we would put it uh, deep within our hearts, God, deep within our minds, that we would learn from the experience of others, not so that we would grow in knowledge, but that, Lord, so that we would grow in grace, so that we would grow in love for one another, that, God, we would take that, that knowledge and that wisdom and then, Lord, use it. So, Lord, I just pray that these next few moments, that God, as we look at your word in Galatians, that you would continue to help us grow. That God, you would continue to develop us with your truth. That God, you would use the words of Paul, written so long ago, Lord, to impact our lives right now. God, we thank you that you are so powerful that you're able to do that. So Lord, we would just, we humbly ask you to do so tonight. Lord, I pray that you would destroy anything that I am bringing to this message that, God, you would slay the man that I am. The Lord, you would use this foolish preaching, God, to spread your word. Lord, we pray this all in accordance to your will. Amen. Now, uh, you might have just picked up on this fact, right? When you see me, you probably think, all right, that guy played eighth grade football. And I know, I know it's pretty, you know, evident in the way that I carry myself, probably the, the swagger that I maintain for most of my days. Uh, but it's true. In eighth grade, I played football. It was my one and only year of playing football uh, because I was horrible at it. But 
I played, dang it, and they put me on the B team, okay, on the well, second string B team. Okay, so I was second string B team, uh, right guard, which in case you don't know, that's the guy that's right next to the center. Uh, so my whole job uh, in a football game uh, was to do this. Well, not smile, but like angry. <laughs> and just stand, right, stand, or I would start like that, and then I'd go, all right, and then that was my job. I just needed to stay there and keep people from getting past me to the quarterback. That was my entire job. Uh, th- that year, uh, we, we weren't the best team, necessarily. Uh, we won no games, uh, but we did score one touchdown. So that was pretty awesome uh, and exciting for us, but still depressing for our coaches. Because part of our problem uh, was that everyone was about the Jacob Smith level of athleticism. And the problem with that was that our whole line, we were just horrible. Uh, so even though my job was to do this, a lot of times the guy coming at you is like bigger than you or like meaner than you. And so he's like foaming at the mouth and you're like, I don't want rabies. And so you like, you just kind of like, maybe you like tap them and you just kind of get out of the way uh, to the point where basically our offensive line, we couldn't stop like a inflated beach ball from like getting past us to our quarterback, let alone like a living, breathing, thinking human, right? Like that was impossible for us. Uh, so because of that, our coaches got so so mad, right? Because this is like their career. I don't know if you realize this, but if you're coaching junior high football, you don't want to do that for the rest of your life. Like generally you want to move up, but in order for that to happen, you've got to win games. And so when they're watching us lose over and over and over again, they started resorting to extreme measures to try to pro- uh, promote our, uh, a more winning attitude. Uh, so one day in practice, we're lined up and we're just kind of doing a little scrimmage. Uh, my coach came over and grabbed me by the back of the neck and he kind of yanked me back and goes, Smith, Smith, you're a quarterback now. Get back there. And I was really excited, right? Because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he heard about the time I played quarterback in flag football in fourth grade. He must know about my ability to throw, right? So I was like, this is so exciting. I'm going to be quarterback. Like, maybe I get to try it out. This will be awesome. I don't have to just stand there anymore. And he's like, all right, just throw it at the tight end. You know, he's going to run this route. All right, go for it. So, you know, I'm excited, just so excited. My mind is exploding and I hike the ball and I look and I get about a a split second of like looking down the field and all of a sudden I'm looking straight up into the sky. And that beautiful serene image was interrupted by my coach's face because he leaned over me and yelled downward, that's how it feels. And I realized in that moment that my grown man coach had run through our offensive line and then punched me through my pads, like punched me to the ground and was now gloating over me as, you know, like a 30-year-old man over a 12-year-old boy, right? That, that's, that was what it's, it's, I realized that in a moment. I thought, wow, this is, this is horrible, right? I have this pain spraying through my chest. I can't feel anything except pain, right? And so he pulled me back up and he threw me back into the line, and then he grabbed another lineman, did the exact same thing. And he went down the entire line where he would grab us, put us in the quarterback, tell us, yeah, hike the ball. And they'd be like, okay. And then he'd just run up and punch them in the chest until they fell, and then he'd yell at them every single time. And he went down the line like this, and the whole time we were thinking, wow, these guys are psychotic, right? But we realized in that moment, and when they kind of gave us a little pep talk at the end, was they weren't just doing that because they hated us, right? That was part of it. But there was another big part of the lesson, which was they wanted us to see how it felt. He wanted to let me see, this is how it feels when you get blindsided by a giant 
linebacker or whoever, I don't know, safe, I don't know. Someone runs through the line and tackles the quarterback. And that's who I was experiencing. That's what he wanted me to experience because he realized that we weren't going to block for them, right? They, our coaches finally realized we weren't going to stand up there and go through a bunch of like tough, like struggling of blocking for their sake, right? Because we didn't really like them because they punched us in the chest, right? Like they did things that made us not really like them. So what they decided is that instead they're going to motivate us to protect our friends, right? Because I knew the quarterback and I liked the kid. He was in my history class. He was all right, you know? And so I didn't want him to get punched to the ground by some other eighth grader out there, right? That went to some other school, middle school in town, all right? And so with that in mind, I legitimately started blocking better. We all actually started blocking better because we thought, wow, that's a horrible thing to experience. I want to protect my friend from that. Our coaches, they realized that even though we didn't care about them, that we cared about our friends. And so when they gave us that outward focus, when they had us look at these other people around us, look at the brother who was suffering, they knew that having that focus would then motivate inward growth, that it would change something within us, that I would seek to be better in order to help that brother. In Galatians 6 verse 1, Paul is closing out his letter. He's closing out the book of Galatians. And if you've ever read Galatians, you might know that the entire letter is just a beat down. The whole letter. It's Paul. He doesn't even start off nice. A lot of times the epistles start out where Paul's like, oh, you know, I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm praying and thanking God for you. But instead, at the beginning of Galatians, he says, quit it. Stop it. That's how he starts the book of Galatians. He says, I wish I was there so I could tell you this in person. That's what he starts off Galatians with on a very harsh Harsh note, because the Galatians were struggling with false teaching. They had these people named the Judaizers who were in the midst of Galatia, and they were preaching this false gospel. They were saying that the law had to be combined with faith in order for someone to be saved, that faith in Jesus Christ wasn't quite enough, that you needed to add it a little bit more. You had to follow the Mosaic law in this way and that way. And so the whole letter is Paul outlining this huge argument where he's saying, no, that's not true. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. And he's got evidence and supporting things. And he brings up all these different points. And chapter six is the very end, which is why it's really funny to me that he says this. In verse one, he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This whole letter, beat down after beat down after beat down. And all of a sudden, Paul ends it with, oh, and be gentle. Oh, be gentle with one another. Have that spirit, right? Fulfill the law of Christ, right? Suddenly he takes a soft tone. And it's really jarring if you're reading the letter. If you're reading it as a whole, you're like, what in the world? And it's, Paul does that for a reason because he puts right here in these, just these two verses a huge principle that we need to grasp. A huge piece that we really need to understand. Tonight we could have talked about literally anything in the entire world. It was Jacob's prerogative. I could have gone in any direction. And I wanted to, but what I chose was this right here, because this is where we're at. Because the summer is approaching, this is what we're about to face. We're about to see ourselves thrown into a schedule that we're not used to, thrown out of the fellowship that we've grown accustomed to, 
And instead, we're all going to be, we're going to be on, our, on our own, isolated. And the only way to survive that, the only way to persevere in the midst of that summer is to do two things that Paul outlines right here. It's to have an inward growth motivated by outward focus. We've got to grow internally if we want to be aware externally of what's going on. What I mean by that is in verse 1, right, he's talking about these brothers, right? So he says, pay attention to the fact that he says, look, brothers, if anyone, meaning if any of you, meaning Paul is right here, he's addressing Christians. He's addressing Christians alone, right? So don't take this as like, oh, yeah, I saw some guy at the park and he was talking mean to his dog and I don't like that, so I'm going to give him a pamphlet. Like, don't, don't think that this gives you license to just like go out and be the morality police, right? He's saying, no, this is for brothers. This is for other believers. If you saw someone on the Titanic, right, and the, you teleported back and you watched Jack and Rose the whole time, you're like, oh my gosh, but you're like sad because you know they're going to die. But you're like, the whole time, you're just there and you're like hanging out. And then all of a sudden the boat starts to sink, right? And suddenly you're on this life raft and you can like, you're driving around, you can save people. If you see someone, right, if you see Jack hanging onto that door that he could have fit onto with Rose, right, if you see him hanging onto that door and he's like, oh, like remember me or whatever he says, right, you see him, your first word to Jack isn't going to be, hey, are you cold? Like, do you want a blanket? Like, you're not going to offer him, like, a corn dog, or, like, you're not going to try to take care of his hunger or, or his cold, right? What are you going to do? You're going to pull him out of the water, right? You're going to say, wow, you're, you're sinking right now. You're dying. I'm going to take you out of that, put you in my boat, save us all a big headache, right? Like, that's what I'm going to do. And it's because you recognize the greatest need. Paul's saying, look, this is for believers, because if you see a non-believer, in the midst of transgressions, in the midst of sin, your focus isn't, hey, let's fix that sin. Your focus is, you need the gospel of Christ. That's your focus. If you see a non-believer who is in the midst of a bad lifestyle, you don't just try to fix all that up. You give them Christ. Give them the gospel. So as we move out this summer, man, the first principle I want you to get is you need to be prepared to share that gospel. Whether you're working at a camp, or you're just working a job, or you're going on an internship, wherever you're headed, be prepared to share the gospel. Be prepared to see someone, even if you don't really agree with them, and even if you don't really get along with them, be prepared to give them the gospel of Christ. Be able to share that in a minute, in a sentence. Can you do that? But not only is he talking to just Christians, right? We also see this other kind of qualification, He says, hey, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, right? You who are spiritual. And and don't read into this too much. Don't think, oh, well, so Paul's talking to like professional Christians, right? Or like super Christians. Instead, he's just saying, look, any, any believer, he's saying anyone who has the spirit of God within them, this is what they should do. Restore another believer in the spirit of gentleness. And he says that specifically not just to be like, hey, look, be really nice, right? Because he could have said that. He said, be loving or be gentle. But instead, he says, have a spirit of gentleness. Because if you know your Bible, if you know Galatians, he just finished talking about the fruits of the Spirit. He's finished talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So he's telling them, look, as you go out and as you see a brother sinning, not only should you try to correct them, but you correct them empowered by God. You're not just gentle because you try to be gentle. You're gentle because the Spirit is speaking through you, is working through you. 
So as you are in these interactions, as you're having these tough conversations, realize you've got to be empowered by the Lord. Because if you try to do it on your own, it's just going to blow up in your face. But he says, look, we've got to look out for one another. We've got to look out for the brother next to me. But not only that, right? What does he end with? But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So he says that as you're going out and as you're looking around and you're scanning the believers around you and you're finding problems, as you've got their back, right? And it's a good thing. It's a loving thing. But as you catch those things, realize you've got to be watching out for yourself. That you are also accountable to yourself. That you need to be aware that there are probably sins in your own life that you need to focus on first. Right? This is like the first rule of airline, airplane safety. Right? Whenever the stewardess is standing there and there's the video playing or whatever and no one is paying attention, she always says, or the guy on the intercom always says, look, if, you know, if, there's, a, if there's a loss in pressure in the cabin, the oxygen mask is going to pop down in front of your face. Listen up, mommy. You better put your mask on first and then on your little Jimmy, right? Or whatever. Like something like that. I never listen. But there's something about that where you are supposed to put on your own oxygen mask first and then your kids. Why? Because if you're like there and you're trying to put a mask on your kid, and I don't know if you ever tried to put anything on a kid in a crashing airplane, but that's like impossible, right? So they're like, hey, look, you just get you figured out first and then worry about that, that monster, right? Like you just, you then whatever. So you need to look out for yourself, right? You got to look out for number one. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to look out for him. That's why Christ said that we should, as we are seeing the problems in other people, be aware of the log in your own eye, right? Be inwardly focused. Make sure you're looking at yourself with a discerning eye. And so I would challenge you this summer, not only are you preparing the gospel, but you are trying to grow. Okay, you're, you're looking within yourself and you're thinking, okay, this summer, how am I going to grow? How have I prepared myself to grow? If I'm going away do I maybe have a reading plan for my Bible, right? I loved it. Kendall and Ryan both hit these huge points that I promise we did not orchestrate in any way. But Kendall said one of the biggest things she ever did in her spiritual walk was to learn to read her Bible daily, to spend time with God daily. Do you have that plan for the summer? Are you ready to do that? If you need one, talk to me. Ask me. I can refer you to a couple great plans like three-month plans that will get you through Scripture. Do you have that? Are you prepared? Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to look out for yourself in that way? As you go somewhere, not only are you ready to you know, grow and, and study, but do you have fellowship lined up? Are you going back home? Can you go to a church there? Or wherever you're going to an internship? Have you looked up online? Churches in the area. Right? Find those things. Find them so that you can grow for your own benefit. And what's beautiful is that as you're growing, right, as you're seeing the people around you and then thinking, okay, I should, I should grow as well, that growth then motivates more watching, more seeking for the people around you. That's why Paul says, look, you need to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the love of Christ. He's referring to what he said a little bit earlier in the book where he said that, look, you guys are so focused on studying the Mosaic Law. That's what the Judaizers were trying to do. They're saying, no, we need to go back to the Mosaic Law, the old teachings, the traditions. And Paul says, you are going back to this law, but don't you realize Christ summed up the entire law? Christ already did that. And he told him, you know how Christ summed up the law? Love your neighbor as yourself. Bam. Easy out. Paul says that's what the law is all about. 
So, so if you are bearing one another's burdens, if you're caring for one another, you're going to be fulfilling that law. He says, if you're growing in and of yourself, if you're growing personally, if you're, if you're watching for yourself, then you're going to see the other people around you. You're going to want to help them more. And you're going to be fulfilling Christ's law. And as you're helping those people out there, then you're going to be more motivated to grow inwardly. And suddenly you're trapped in this awesome circle, this cycle. I don't know if you uh, have ever studied symbiotic relationships in nature, but it's amazing. Uh, there are a number of examples of symbiotic relationships, meaning there are creatures that have the way that they've developed, the way that God designed them is that they depend on one another for life. Right? One example of this, one of my favorites, uh, is the sea anemone and the clownfish. Right? You are, might be aware of this because it was in Finding Nemo. Right? But there is this kind of old, old example of the clownfish and the sea anemone. And what's amazing, though, about this that I didn't realize is that the sea anemone is a cold-blooded killer. Like, that's what it does. Like, they don't explain that in Finding Nemo, right? Like, Finding Nemo has a lot of hidden dark plots that you could follow out of it. You should Google it sometime. But one of them is that their home eats other fish. I'm not even kidding. Like, basically what happens is, like they said in the movie, uh, as the clownfish live in the anemone, they become immune to the, like, prickly finger things, okay? And so as they live in there, they're immune to it, and they're like, awesome. So it protects them, right? Because like other big fish be like, I'm going to eat you, Nemo. And he's like, no way. And it's because he's protected by this cool blanket of stuff, right? But what you don't realize is that the clownfish is also helping the anemone, because clownfishes, as you can tell, are very brightly colored. And because of their brightness, they attract smaller fish. Based, mainly shrimp, like crustaceous-type creatures, are drawn to the clownfish. Right? Like the clownfish are like throwing dinner parties and, hey, Steve, right? Stuff like that. And as they approach, the sea anemone stings them and then draws them in and eats them. Not even kidding. So they've got this crazy symbiotic relationship where the fish is protected and the plant is fed. And you see this just happening. And there are so many examples of this happening in nature. And it's because God is showing us that, look, this is something that is so doable. Animals and plants can do it, right? Little weird things can do it. And we as humans, we as people have been given an opportunity to enter into one of these symbiotic relationships with one another. We see right here in Galatians that Paul is telling us that if we are growing inwardly, if we're focused on growth and learning about God and and growing in him, that is going to turn our focus outward. We're going to see the people around us, and we're going to want to help them and do those things. And as we're helping them, right, we grow inwardly. It's amazing. It's a crazy, crazy cycle. And so I just want to challenge you. This summer, are you ready to do that? Are you ready to grow inwardly? Are you ready to focus on the people around you? Do you have that plan in your mind? Do you have a plan for how to grow? Do you have a plan for how to help others grow? As you move to another city or as you're going back home, wherever you're going, are you going to maintain accountability with someone maybe from college or someone from your long past, whatever? Do you have that set up? Are you ready to text your friend? I would say call, but apparently... That's like really intense now, right? Like you can't call unless you're like married or on fire, right? So can you text them though? Can you text them? 
Do you have that set up? Are you ready to go and maybe you don't know of a church, but you're just going to find one. You're going to go to their Bible study. And it might be really, really weird because I have tried that. And it is so weird, but it's okay. And it's worth it. Because even if you go to a Bible study and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's 60 and they hate me or whatever. You know, if you go to it and you're like, this is so odd, maybe you're there to help them. Right? Maybe if you're like, oh, I'm not getting anything out of this. Maybe you're there to be a blessing in their lives, to help them grow. Are you ready? Do you have that focus? Are you bringing together these plans, these thoughts? If not, I would just encourage you, let tonight be the start. We're going to sing a few more songs. And I would just encourage you, as we are singing, as you hear the music playing, maybe you're standing and singing the words, maybe you're just sitting in prayerful Silence. Whatever you do, let this be a time where you think about where are you? Where are you lacking? Do you need to grow? Maybe you've got that under control, but are you helping others? Or maybe you're all just pour out, 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 and yet you've neglected your own walk. Where are you? Where do you want to be at the end of summer? And how are you going to get there? Let's pray. Lord, again, we just thank you tonight. God, we thank you that you have given us the wonderful example of Paul. God, the encouraging examples of Ryan and of Kendall. God, we recognize the fact that you have spoken to so many of us. That God, you've worked in our lives in so many different ways. So Lord, we just pray that we would take that work and we would share it with others. That, God, as we continue to grow ourselves, the Lord, we would help others grow. So if you would just take this moment right now and ask God to show you how to grow, to give you a plan for the summer, and that as you are being developed and grown, that you would then take that growth and that knowledge and that development and then use it for someone else. That you would lead a Bible study or volunteer at a church or whatever. Ask the Lord to show you those opportunities right now.